Julia Hart, the new AEW champion now? It's um eighty one thousand and thirty five people. Is uh that was the big the big note from Nigel. How's it going, everybody? This is Eat Sleep Leet. This is our AEW All in London twenty twenty three post show. The show quite literally just ended. So you guys know how we do. We hop in here. The scrum's happening right now. So if there's another brawl out, well, actually there already was. But if there's another, 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 and we miss it, you Wait, guys know what the happened. Deal. Yeah. So let's uh, let's 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 talk about it right away. So Jack Perry during his match, uh, he said, "Cry me a river," pretty much about the glass. This is real glass. Cry me a river. Which is a direct shot at CM Punk from a report, I believe, last week, maybe this week. I don't remember if we covered it. It might have been this week. But, so. uh, we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. Yeah. But I remember our take on it was just like, yeah, it sounds like it's a like, fucking... I, I, I like Jack Perry, but I'm sorry. He sounds like a fucking it's idiot. It's real glass. Like, cry me a river. Like, and, he um, just... I'm, you can say, oh, well, John Moxley uses glass and shit. Yeah, we call John Moxley an idiot for doing that, too. It's just cool because he doesn't give a fuck, you know? Like... I don't think Jack Perry wants to be disfigured, you know, like so, sounds like what we got is um, Jack Perry was, does. was unhappy with the situation, how it got so public. And so Fightful Select has reported that they we have learned from at least one side of the story, which claims that Jack Perry approached CM Punk backstage, stepped in his face and, quote, bumped Punk. Punk was said to have then pushed Perry. Perry allegedly came at Punk and got choked. We haven't heard of a particular kind of choke or who broke things up. So this happened and they still let him go on the show. Please note this is only one side of the story. And this was right before CM Punk made his entrance. This was right before his entrance. (laughs) Uh, If more shit comes out about that, we'll talk about it. But um, uh, yeah, so what the hell is going on, everybody? Um, If this is your first time checking us out, uh, we appreciate it. As you so guys know, we had brawl out to brawl in. Yeah, and there might be another. So, so, so lock in. This is this is why you gotta love AEW. Wait, did you right? get into a fight with Bucks and the Kenny again? Because if so, that's insane. <laughs> no, imagine, imagine. <laughs> but um, yeah, guys. Uh, whatever was it, Hanger Bud? You happen to be checking us out on. Uh, go ahead and hit that follow. Check us. We usually do a weekly show where we kind of break down everything that happens in Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision, and it's a good time. So. If you guys like that long form kind of podcasting, that that one a week kind of deal, that's that's our that's our shtick, that's our gimmick. So let's kick it right off from the top, on huh, Duke. Zero hour kicks off. We had Renee, Paul White, Anthony Gogo, Kip Sabian kind of running the show. And after about an hour and fifteen minute mark, we get MJF and Adam Cole taking on Aussie Open for the ROH tag team titles. If we had a show this week and we did predictions, you and I were both kind of feeling towards the end. It's most likely looking like they're about to lose these titles. Just makes more sense for the story. I, I believe we've been talked about it today. And, you know, they went out there and they got the crowd fucking warmed up just like you'd want. The kangaroo kick was definitely over. It worked. Probably to no one's surprise, right? That was kind of the, the gimmick of this match, if you will. And, yeah, better than you, baby. have won the ROH tag team titles in a fun encounter. This was... It was a, just a tick under eight minutes, and, you know, I just got to say, there's a part of me that was so happy that it was Aussie Open's music that hit for the first match at All In. Those, those good brothers deserved it. So, uh, what did you think of the match? And then we'll talk about uh, their title reign real quick. Yeah, it was, it was a fun match. It was really good, you know. Um, it was obviously four of the best wrestlers in the world in there, so you're going to get some magic, obviously, but... 
Um, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell everybody in chat like well, how I was messaging you. Um, I was a little bit ahead of you uh, for, at first, and like, and eventually, like, I think I like refreshed at one point, and we were back to the same point in the stream. Um, but uh, when I saw, I saw the finish like a solid like five minutes before you did. I'm not even kidding. Like, um, so that's when I sent you the crying because. I still didn't want them to lose those titles, man. I, I, as much as I think I agree with you, it made sense for the story. Yeah. Yep. It made sense for the story they were telling. It doesn't make sense. It's like, why would you put them on them in the first place? It. Just put them on somebody who can lose them. I mean, oh, that wouldn't be a big enough match. It's on the fucking pre-show anyway. Who cares? Like, yeah. I, 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 Aussie Open to barely have a connection to the UK by being in Australia, which really isn't even a connection. So, like, I... I don't know. It was, it, I I it was cool, but it it really honestly, I, well, I still can't figure out what the point was. I'm gonna be honest with you. I it mean, they're cool, literally but... just gonna be toys for the champ for for MJF and Adam Gold. They're just gonna be toys. I don't see them going to Ring of Honor TV defending these things. I mean, if they do, holy shit, then I'm fucking down with this. But I don't see it happening, and uh, it's a little unfortunate. So let's talk about Aussie Open's reign. I think this was the definition of a balls-to-the-wall title reign. Um, what we do when people lose their titles is we kind of just talk about their reign. Maybe, you know, some of them we'll spend a little more time on, like when Orange Cassidy's reign eventually ends. But others, you know, this was a 37-day reign. We might have to do a whole fucking podcast about Orange we might Cassidy's reign. Goddamn. So, 37-day reign. They had five successful title defenses. And honestly, this was... I, I enjoyed this title reign a lot. And because I, I was not a fan of the Lucha Brothers title reign with the Ring of Honor tag titles. It felt like they were just holding the belts and never defending them. And I believe they've defended them maybe even less than Aussie Open did in the 37 days. That being said, we they win the titles at the four-way at Death Before Dishonor against Best Friends, The Kingdom, and Lucha Brothers. And it's just an awesome, awesome match. Uh, Ring of Honor television the following week, Honor Club episode 23, Aussie Open defeated the Iron Savages in a Pretty pretty solid match. Um, Dynamite 200, they defeated Vikingo and Commander, which was my favorite match of that week. I fucking loved that match. Fight for the Fallen uh, on Rampage. Aussie Open defeated Ethan Page and Isaiah Cassidy. And then Fighter Fest this week, they defeated the Hardys. So they got some good teams in their title reign. And yeah, I mean... In a way, it's it's probably going to be seen in the history books as filler champions because I got a feeling if these guys don't hold it for a long time, they might just drop them to someone. But if this gets, you know, MJF and Adam Cole on the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view, you know, it maybe it'll buy a couple more seats, right? You never know. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you who they probably will drop them to if they do drop them, which is probably to the kingdom, I would think. Yeah, probably to the kingdom. And that would be huge for the kingdom. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, dude, beating Adam Cole and MJF. Especially with Roddy in the kingdom. But solid opener. And our last bit of zero hour coverage. We had a Britt Baker promo that was actually really, really well done. And they panned over to Mercedes Monet in the crowd, which if you guys don't know, that is my one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I am totally down with that. We had our other t- title match, which we briefly talked about. There was because, a Mandalorian you know, in the crowd. Real glass, brother. Uh, Hook defeated Jack Perry to win the FTW title. This Jack Perry and Hook thing's been going a couple weeks. It's been pretty fun. And, you know, they we had the RVD Rolling Thunder happen. Uh, but I... 
the crowd loved Hook, and I loved Hook. Real quick, the crowd tonight was fucking unbelievable. They were fantastic. What do you mean and the crowds at the seats were empty, bro? Literally, it's a far cry. It's a, it's a, it was a fucking a nightmare. Um, Hook is a uh, Hook is alive and well, and I think he deserved to win this title at All In. And you know, I think the new shtick with Jack is working. We just got to tweak it a little bit. Again, I'm still not sold on his whole gimmick with this music, and but I'm digging the leather jacket. I'm digging the, you know, badass with the hottest bitch here. You know what I mean? I'm digging that vibe. But, yeah, it's Jack Perry on a pay-per-view. Of course he fucking crushed it. This guy's four for four this year on pay-per-view. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, what did you think of this before we get into the main card? And then we'll talk about this uh, FTW title reign. Yeah, uh, fucking real glass, like you said. Just Real glass? Why? That's our new bricks and screws, dude. Real glass. Yeah, yeah real glass. Um, real glass. Real glass, brother. Um, just for fuck's <laughs> sake. Like, why, Jack? Just why? Like, you're literally one of the prettiest looking fucking dudes in the company. Why would you do that to yourself? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, it'd be like if Kip was like, oh, yeah, stab me in the fucking eye with a screwdriver. You know what I mean? Like, why? What, what, Kip sometimes, knows better than that. Hey, you know what I mean? Sometimes anyway. you gotta stab a brother. Now, sometimes you gotta just, if it's you got the money maker, not <laughs> the money maker. That's mentality. Sometimes you just gotta stab someone. <laughs> this is true. You know, this is true. Look at Don Callis. Hey, you know, um, he didn't get stabbed, but you know, I mean, not by, by John anyway, but you know, um, I don't know. It was a good match. I yeah. think, I don't know. It was FTW rules. I mean, you know, it, it was one of like 67 street fights we got tonight. So they, it was they didn't like, waste you know, any time with this match. This was quick to the point. Boom, boom, boom. You name it. I also think they knew they weren't going to, like, match the other street fight type fights that were going to be oh, on this card. No. So yeah, they know, just went with what they could do. And yeah, you gotta, do some you're cool going to let the stadium stampede do its thing in yeah. the fucking coffin, you name it. Got to let them cook. Um, Jack Perry's title reign. He won it at Blood and Guts, 39-day title reign. He had one successful defense against Rob Van Dam, which was pretty fun. It was a fun little program. And it looped back around to its original title holder of Hook. This is Hook's second reign now of the FTW title. And his first reign was 357 days. It was an up and down reign, I would say. I, I think he was super, super over at the beginning of it. He had some rough patches, but, you know, when it's all said and done, he just went out there on zero hour, all in, and won the title again. So I think Hook's still going to be featured pretty well in this company. So I am not worried about Hook that, bro. Give me a okay. heel Ricky Starks coming back for that title. Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, so we open up, Excalibur hits the line, it's Wembley, you know what that means. And we open up with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for the, quote, real world championship. I gotta tell you, I, I, when CM Punk's music hit, I think that's when it started to set in what the fuck we're, we're watching right now. And I, I like, I got chills almost, dude, like, I, something in me clicked when that happened and I'm like, oh, it's here. It's arrived. All in is fucking here. We're opening up with fucking punker, bud. And apparently the guy just fought Jack Perry backstage um, before he goes out and has a badass match. Fucking punker. Yeah. Uh, I just would like to take a moment to point out there was a sign in the crowd that said Pepsi is a soft drink. I just, I thought I'd point that out. Pep, I mean, technically, yeah, it is a soft drink. I do it's enjoy a soft, soft drink. You know, I, you know what I mean? He yeah. is Pepsi Man, but the, um, I feel like I feel like as as the collision oh, sorry, connoisseur, 
I'm going to let you take the lead on this. What what'd you think of... Uh... The Phil Connoisseur. Listen, man, I don't know. I got to hear about what the fuck he did I, before I Dude, fucking all, stand. Dude, if he choked out Jack Perry and then went out and had this match, I don't give a fuck. This man's the GOAT. That's I mean, all that I'm would saying. be pretty fucking badass, and I feel like you can't fire him at that point, right? But, like... I mean, you could, but, like, why would you at that point if you let him go out there and have the fucking match? What would be the point of disciplining him after the fact at that point? Just say, <laughs> fuck it. CM Punk beats people up sometimes, I guess. Hey, man, man went off and became an MMA fighter and suddenly wants to fucking fight everybody. So, you know, hey, whatever, you know. But, uh, I mean, he, actually, to be fair, I've heard plenty of stories. He always wanted to fight everybody. Got his ass kicked by fucking Teddy Hart back today, I think. Like, um, Ted, Tedward. I think it was Teddy anyway. One of the fucking like random hearts that aren't actually, I think, hearts, but go around with that name. I, I think I'm actually correct about that. <laughs> like, um, maybe there's just a different side. I don't know. Uh, it was fun. Uh, it was a really good match. I mean, like you said, the reaction was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, Punk got, oh, they actually did a really good version of the blading spot where he got sent through the announce table and he was in there for a while. And so, you know, in my head, I didn't even realize he was going to be bleeding until he was. I was like, oh, that was actually kind of clever. That was, yeah, that was really well done. I was like, okay. Cause that was like, that was like the sort of smoke and mirrors. But if you know, you know, you know, anyway, um, that was pretty cool still. You know, Cause sometimes like people will just like stick their head into the ring for like 30 seconds and you're like, well, fuck, I know what's happening now. You know, like. <laughs> At least there was like a little bit of a shock moment here where you're like, fuck, he just went through that announce table. And he's literally in Nigel's lap right now. But how great was um, Nigel? Oh, my God. Oh, he was awesome throughout, throughout the whole show. Um, I, I think uh, Punk was selling really well throughout this match for Joe as well. Yeah. Um, Punk then hit an atomic leg drop with the Hulk Hogan-esque shit going on, <laughs> uh, which Joe kicked out of one, which was pretty fucking funny. Um, then Joe hit this fucking nasty snap on a power slam, dude. My oh, God. Yeah, he killed him with that one. <laughs> this whole sequence, I was like, okay. That was the vengeance for Jack Perry, bro. Like, yeah. Fuck. Real glass. Cry uh, me a river. Um, <laughs> Joe multiple times throughout the match was trying to hit the muscle buster. The last time he went for it, um, Punk ended up seated on top of the ropes, I believe, which he then used to set up a Pepsi plunge, which is that? Has he used that in AEW at all? I don't... I think just... Maybe once? He's hit it... He hit it on Jay White, and I think that was the second time. I think it might have only been on MJF before that. I, I'm not 100% that sure. That would make sense. But It's a yeah. fucking dangerous move, I he, think. He's only like, busted it out once on Collision, and it was on Jay White. It's like so. a risky move. So I don't think a lot of people... It's like, that was the muscle buster, though. So, like, didn't the muscle buster, like, fuck somebody up? Like, it's like, you know, like, it's it, it's all Tyson fucking Kidd. dangerous. Yeah, so I mean, it's all fucking dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, well, Pepsi um, plunge with the. Uh, I, in my opinion, I'm going to tell you, shock victory. I didn't think it was ending that quick. To um, me, I was. I thought when it was I the thought, first geez, match, yes. I didn't think it was going to get a shit ton of time because you got to give time for other stuff. Like, I I think if the next match that they did hadn't been the next match, then maybe it would have gotten a little bit more. But the, uh, the the next match needed to get time, so they may have been like, yeah. You know, this is how you're going to prove that you don't fucking have a problem with these guys is by giving them the time that you would have had if you were the second match or something like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know. It was a really cool match, though. 14 minutes on the dot, balls to the, uh, again, I think Samoa Joe here, the story of this match was Samoa Joe having so much fun just trying to take his fucking vengeance out on CM Punk. Yeah, bro, I think they went out there and they said, bro, if they're fucking booing me out of the building, just be a babyface, Joe. I know you're not. Just fucking do it and we'll have a fucking blast and you'll- Punk yield it up a little bit. And yeah. hard hitting opener, and it was it was a good time. 
Bro, the heat he got when he did the ear thing? That was oh, awesome. Yeah. That was great. Brings us to our next match, which is probably going to be a, a, a staple at All In. You know, because now, now we could say there's going to be another All In next year. Holy shit. Um, I'm cool having our big show every year. Just, it's perfect. We're All In 3, baby. We're All In 3. Kinosuke Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson, Bullet Club Gold, the Bang Bang Gang, the guns are out there. Don Callis is out there. They defeated the golden elite of Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Hangman, Adam Page. Kenny washed? Question mark. You gotta. T- I gotta say, action fucking packed. There, this was a twenty minute bout, and it was fucking just full of it. There were so many fun storylines that they were playing up. I wasn't sure how much they'd play up the Ibushi and Jay White thing, and I'm like, you know what? It's fucking AEW. Of course they're going to play it up. These guys main evented the Tokyo Dome against each other. They're not going to be afraid to fucking let them get a couple moments together, which they did. Um, God, yeah, Kenny Omega, the fucking the pop for Omega was outstanding. Um, I Juice Robinson is a fucking national treasure at this point. Like, seriously. This guy is so charismatic, and we always go back to Kevin Owens said this guy is the best promo in professional wrestling, and you can you can just feel that charisma every single time he's on the screen. It's the little things he does that adds to the match. Um, so here's a prayer circle that we get an Omega and Takeshita one v one next week at All Out because when those guys were in the ring together, it was literally like magic was happening. Uh, we had great Golden Lovers pairings against uh, Bullet Club. And, I mean, yeah, I thought everyone got good shine in. And, you know, we this surprise finish here. They fucking had to catch the pin Omega at fucking Wembley Stadium. And he did it so clean. Oh, my God, to catch the nearly killed Ibushi before that pin, too. Holy shit. Oh, with shit. a power drive knee, dude? Yeah. Oh, my. The cell... The way he sold that, it's he looked like a fucking corpse. Like, or no, sorry, it was the fucking jumping knee, the jumbo Saruta knee, that fucking yeah. thing. He fucking just laid it in. He him, bro. fucking he reversed Coda's power, like fucking momentum against him, and it's just oh, one of the best shots of the night. Uh, God, Takeshita here was just he was so bloody fantastic. I I, I got to see Takeshita versus Ibushi now, bro. That. Yeah, they're, they're sequenced together in the match where they just started trading fucking heavy shots, bro. I, I got to see that in the match. Like it, it, it would be simply incredible. And yeah, um, I, I, I thought everyone involved really had it. Like, God, this is just so much fun. But yeah, Takeshita got the roll up flash pin on Omega, and everyone was fucking shocked, freaking out. And Takeshita and Callus are just celebrating. I thought they were gonna run through the crowd for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, that was that was a good bout, and you know I I'm really enjoying Bullet Club Gold has been such a fun storyline on uh, Collision, and you know having this Kenny and Coda storyline. I'm I'm they had the matching gear. God, I would love for them to just maybe they'll get the run at FTR next. I mean that was on FTR's list of dream teams. That was the one one of the ones that Dak said is golden golden lovers. So. It could be some really, really fucking cool stuff there. So, brings us to our next match for the AEW Tag Team Titles. It's FTR versus Young Bucks 3. I saw people online just losing their minds over this match. People were fucking jizzing their jammies, if you will. And for all the right reasons, I thought these guys flowed like butter. 
what 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 did you think of this match? And uh, Dax Harwood has the best hot tag probably ever. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. what do you think of this? So I I, I wrote uh, a paragraph that I think will summarize this entire match. Um, first of all, shout out to the little special like Bucks sort of theme thing that they did. I think it was an homage to something. I don't know. I did. I I don't I didn't quite catch what Excalibur said there because I was kind of just caught up in the entrance or whatever. But whatever. Yeah. Um. These are the two best tag teams of all time on the biggest stage in wrestling history, putting on one of the greatest matches of all time, in my opinion. Um. I don't think that's. I don't think that was insane. Anything I just said. I think. I think everything I just said was possibly true. Maybe not the greatest matches of all time, but maybe. I don't know. People might really like this match. I. I, I can. That's just you, what I wrote while I was watching like the opening minutes of this match. That was my prediction. I don't. Do you think that it lived up to that level? I I think it did. I mean, I saw okay. our friend Dart post that this was his favorite tag match ever. So, I, that in a year where we've had some simply fucking miraculous tag matches, I I think this one lived up again to the potential that it could have. Um, but. Fear the Revolver. That was pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dax Harwood and Matt Jackson. That that might have been one of my favorite sequences of the night. I thought those guys just seriously got each other. Um, oh, here's something I put in my notes. This is something I haven't, I've honestly probably noted before, but I don't think I ever like gave it the context of what I was. And I think this match kind of allowed me to kind of realize, I think, what I was getting at. Like, Cash hits a really nice back suplex. But it's not just that it's a nice bass suplex. Like, it looks good. It's a good-looking move. But it's actually kind of like a basic version of that move. Like, I've seen people, like, spike people with that move and make it look awesome, like, a, you know, an all-Japan-style head drop. However, the way Cash does it, he uses it to set up sequences and shit like that or to get out of a hot tag or to get into a new, you know, sometimes he'll drop that, drop that back suplex and then tag out immediately to Dax and then Dax will come in and, you know what I mean, like, he uses it as a building block to get to other things in the match, which you could probably almost tag everything that FTR does that way, but like it's just something that I've started to notice that Cash does in like almost every match. That's I, I think part of the why they're so consistently good because they do things like that, you know. Yeah. Um there was uh uh Nick and uh Dax uh replicated the bulldog and Brett finished to ninety two um at one point where Nick kicked out. It's pretty nice. They did the uh, full gear spot uh, when they faced each other of the cash and the 450 splash. Uh, the Bucks ended up hitting the B trigger, the BTE trigger, but uh, Harwood broke it up. And then Dax knew what was happening, and he turned it into a shatter machine. While Wheeler ate another BTE trigger, he kicks out. Every single time there was a near fall in this match, the crowd was just losing their fucking minds. Um, the Bucks tried the Melter Driver. FTR countered it into the Shatter Machine midair, got the pin, and FTR wanted a handshake post match, but the Young Bucks denied them. Or hopefully, uh, hopefully that means some heel buckers. That'd be nice. Go, go back to your dark side, Young Bucks. The dark side of the force is calling you. Who wants free merchandise? I do. I do. All right. Um. I'm sorry. How the hell do you take notes on this next match? Um, next, we had the Stadium Stampede. 
where Penta actually came out there twice. Uh, Penta El Zatamieto. No, nah, those are two different people. Let's be Penta real. Penta Oscuro. I actually popped when Penta Oscuro came out. Um, I uh, pff, nah, this is gonna sound stupid. They should have just had him come out as Penta Oscuro. I'm I'm just saying. I know. Nah, bro, we had a moment in the match. The dark side. Who fucking cares? Like, what was the point of having him go to the back? It's like, I, why? It's the kind of match where you could lay somebody out for five minutes, and who's gonna notice? Yeah, bro. Nah. That motherfucker, he, he wanted, he's working. He did a costume shift mid-match. That brother's <laughs> working. <laughs> um, I mean, it's all kicks off with Eddie Kingston going nuts. I, I genuinely don't even know how to talk about this, but uh, the skewers moment was just awesome. Yeah, I wrote it in my notes as Moxley skewered to absolute pieces. <laughs> he was skewered. Sue got her driver's license in London. Uh, <laughs> she... <laughs> Moxley I mean, do you walks. have to have a driver's license to drive like twenty feet in a fucking stadium? <laughs> I don't know, but that pop, that call from Excalibur popped me, or it may have been Taz. She uh she rolls up, Moxley kisses her, Trent Beretta then explodes. She fucking hands her and her uh uh she hands Trent and Chuck some trays of cookies, and they start beating the shit out of the BCC with the cookies. Uh, and that's when Penta Oscuro hit. Uh, he came out. Um. Yeah, there was just a lot of fun. I mean, you had Yuta and Castagnoli beating each other in the box seats. Um, I can't wait for people to use shots from that match as an excuse to say, oh, even though they're in the top box, like, literally the most expensive seats. Oh, look at all these empty seats. Like, look at all these shit, man. What's happening, man? Why did nobody spend $11,000 to buy this seat? (laughs) Fuck. You (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it was... It was just a lot of fun. I mean, uh, my main takeaway, though, was we're getting towards the end of the match. The awful waffles hit by Chuck, and that's when Orange Cassidy explodes. He becomes the deathmatch king. He fucking breaks glass, slams his duct-taped fist into the glass. He gets thrown around by Claudio, but he all in all, he ends up cracking Claudio over the head with his fucking fist after three, uh, three non-glass-fisted fucking orange punches. Yeah, Orange Cassidy's so fucking good. I'm very glad he got on All In. The crowd was just loving this. He got the pin, and too, man. He had a big-ass win. Yep. He hits the pin on Claudio, the ROH champion. Ooh. So, keep an eye on that. Title maybe, opportunity, huh? question mark? Oh, man. Color title, title versus title. Fucking winner is the international ring of honor champion. That'd be pretty cool. So, yeah. Um... I I lo- I love this match. <laughs> I no, mean, they always do really these fun. fucking batshit crazy matches. I always think, even it's not the cleanest match. I mean, there was multiple times people slipping. You name it, a ladder broke on Penta or T slipped. I can specifically remember. It doesn't matter. The it match all is, feels it almost like it adds to the organicness of it. Yeah, like it makes it, it feel does. like more of a struggle, like an actual fucking bar fight. Like where not everything goes perfectly. You know what it, I mean? It like, doesn't need to be picture perfect. You know, art. It can be. I messy. wouldn't be surprised if they used a fucking ladder that might fucking collapse in the hope that it does, so that that, that you know what I mean. To the point that they could still use it like it was. You know what I mean? Like because that didn't seem like. A, I'm not saying that was a scripted moment, but I'm saying like they might have got like a shittier ladder being like, if this breaks, it's even better because then we'll just fall off of it and we'll just go to a different spot because there's literally anything we can do. It doesn't have to stay because I almost wonder if they just say we're going to have all these options available to us and then we'll just feel it out as it goes because I almost feel like you can't do a match like 
you could plan out like with Anarchy in the Arena because they time it with music and in Blood and Guts there's a there's a rhythm to how people come in, but in this match you kind of just have to go balls to the wall like you're saying. So you have to just yeah. have things to do available to you everywhere. Um which yeah, I, it's it was just chaos though, like in the best it's, way. It's like a big glorious mess. And it's if you like these kind of things, you're gonna love it. Yeah, there's some people that hate that stuff, but I, I fucking I was all in. <laughs> um up next we had our next title change. We had the four way match for the AEW Women's World Championship. All the licensed music was in this match. All the women in one segment. All the and- women in one segment. That's how you do it. Um, uh, Soraya had some licensed music of Queen's We Will Rock You. You had uh, Tony Storm bust out her new gimmick there with God Save the Queen. And then Dr. Baker DMD and Sheeta. And I I actually really liked this match. I thought it was really enjoyable. Soraya and Storm was kind of the story of the match where it I, I think they kicked each other out of their own group. I don't know. I guess we'll probably get that more resolved this week. But I, I, as of right now, I don't think I don't think they're in a group together anymore. So we'll see. But no, nah, they're literally going to be in a promo segment backstage on Dynamite this week and be like, nah, everything's fine," and pretend like nothing happened at the pay per view. They could, uh, but I don't know. I I kind of hope they embrace this Tony Storm like gimmick that they're doing. They're Marilyn Monroe, like really on her own. No one respects her. It could be a fun little gimmick, and maybe they'll run their match next week at All Out. Tony and uh, Soraya. That could be a fun little match. But, yeah. Soraya had her old family out there at the beginning. It was a really cool moment for her. Ruby Soho tried to play Peacemaker, but got cracked by Tony Storm. And Only John Cena can play Peacemaker, Ruby Soho. You should have known better. <laughs> Very true. Um, so, Sheeta hit a Meteora and Katana kick uh, Baker, then put her in the lockjaw. Submission applied. Baker didn't realize Soraya sprayed Storm in the eyes with the spray paint. Hit the nightcap to get the, uh, got the pin and won the title. Post match, her family jumped in. They're celebrating. Soraya is our new AEW Women's World Champion. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'll say the unpopular thing here because online I saw nothing but people bearing that she won the title because they they just don't they haven't enjoyed her run so far. This that and you know it was she'd have just won it. Sure. Here's what I'll say. I actually kind of like Soraya getting this title. Now, I don't think she's going to be a champion for 250 days. And I don't think she needs to be. But I think it's important that she does get a title run in the company. And the fact that it happened at Wembley, it will create a big moment for her. Now that we know we're coming back to Wembley, hopefully we get Jamie Hayter in a title match next year. And, you know, we can pick and choose yeah, who's going to be. I, gonna I hate to have to say this. Um, but it's kind of the same way that... Um, for it to matter as much when MJF win, won the title, Punk needed to win the title first. Yeah. Because, and it's not anything against Chris Jericho or John Moxley. Chris Jericho already put a big name on that title. That's why they put him as the first champion. John Moxley, when he first came in, he's such an earth-shaking change in the industry that they had to put it on him at some point. Kenny Omega, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Probably the greatest wrestler of all time in some people's opinion. And at least current one, you know what I mean? And... They had to put it on him because he's. But after that, the pool gets a lot more limited, and so you have to. Maybe if you want to make that title feel more like a legit prize that you want to strive for as one of the younger talent, 
you got to put some of these names on it. Soraya is one of those names. Agreed. She's one of the most recognizable women wrestlers in the world. And if you can get Mercedes, you should put it on her as well because of the same reason. Because that's an established multi-time world champion from another company who you can say people are – and you can say that I'm a dick for saying that people are going to respect the title that you win more because they also want it. But that's unfortunately just how the legacy of wrestling titles work unless there's somebody – in the company, you've already had like everybody in the women's division that's that level already win the title pretty much. Yeah, at, at least currently, because nobody's really stepped up in that way. You know, you have people that reach like Sky Blue, but like there's only so many spots in the women's division because there's like only a couple of women's segments. Sometimes it feels like a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Soraya's been here for a long time too. Like she's it's been nearly a year, so she the time has come. It makes sense to do it here. It was a really nice moment, and a lot of time, really good wrestling is built upon these moments. And I, I, I think she's going to be fine as a champion. Now, look, I, I love when Hikaru Shida won it, and we'll talk in a second about her reign. But you know, it, it's just sometimes you got to do something different. And you know, maybe the plan was for her to be champion coming into this, and Jamie beats her, or she was to beat Jamie here. In a 1v1. Yeah, I, I think that would have probably been it. Because so, then it's like two British, like, ridiculously good female stars. I mean, Jamie Hayter is becoming like... Uh, it, dude, is it ridiculous I think Jamie for me to say that she's starting to almost surpass Brit in some ways? Like, the way she oh, was yeah. going? Like, Yes. I, I, I feel confident that Jamie's the most talented woman's wrestler in, in, in our company here. Yeah, I think it, that's... Yeah. I think so. I think so. One day, her legacy, I think, will surpass Brit's current one, if not. And I think you know, following that, it's Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa, and and you know, then pick your choice. She does well, so yeah. I think we have a good division. The division's not cooked by any certain standards. No, there's just not people that there's just you can't put the title on the same like six people. You gotta I just fucking mix it up, you know? uh, Yeah, and so I, I don't I don't think the sky is falling, everyone. But that being said. Unless Let's go Sky to someone where, that move in match. where the sky actually is falling, because since we didn't have a show this week, I didn't get to completely bury what happened. Uh, so we had the coffin match that, you know, I, we were pretty fucking excited for. It's our right. boys. Yeah. It's our guys. A.R. Well, Fox is where Strickland. Oh, wait. It's not A.R. Fox. They scumbagged him, and they put Christian Cage in the match. And according to Fightful, Select, that was not always the plan. And that actually developed some heat with A.R. Fox. They I mean, scumbagged so. my guy in the last week for this for for Christian who's who's been featured so much. Hey, I understand. Can I tell you why I think they did it? I, I I guarantee they gave a reason. I can tell you why I think they did it because What's Christian that? Cage is feuding with Darby Allen right now, and he wants that synergy between All In and All Out. Sure, it, and that could I mean make sense. I I don't understand it at all because the whole point of having two shows is you can have like more than one for you going yeah, on yeah you know? and that and the whole match was built upon the fact that they killed nick wayne which christian and cage did not do it, he was not a part of that ar fox three the weeks fucking ago video package for the match still featured all that shit and now you have ar fox featured a guy Luke. doing it that wasn't even in the match yeah and on collision you have ar fox begging darby allen to forgive him repent oh, yeah, for that his was sins. great it's like dude this is this was the definition of a fucking drop. I would ball. not even be shocked if Nick Wayne was supposed to forgive him in storyline and he just walked because he was like, fuck this stupid. Like, and what honestly, nothing against Christian, but Christian didn't do anything spectacular in this match. So I don't see what the f- I, I just don't see why 
AR Fox got scumbagged in this. Yeah, and I feel it's bad also because I don't think he's considered a big enough draw to be on this show. I think if they had been in this, I think if AR Fox was in this match, Tony Khan would have moved it to the pre-show. No, because it has Sting. It would have been at the Sting, exact I think same Sting spot. has been on a pre-show match before. Not this one. This this it was the same spot. It they could have done the same exact thing with Luchasaurus and Christian Cage kidnapping Nick Wayne that happened during the match. But I just had to get that out of the way because uh, I I had to rant about that for a second because we didn't have a show this week. But um, Sting is sixty four. Sting's a fucking madman. Swerve Strickland, whose house? Oh my god, it was so over. Uh, Metallica, the the light, the AEW music budget was cooking to say the least, right? Yeah. By this point, at this point, I was like, oh, okay, we're just like burning all the money now, you know? Like fuck we're fucking it. sending it. Uh, I thought Sting and Swerve stuff together was just so much fun. These guys were kicking ass together. Um, yeah, Nick Wayne has been kidnapped, so someone they filed a missing persons report. That did not go well for him. No, he, he's he's gone. Um, hey, that's yeah. a good first. Uh, you know, if maybe Darby takes that championship off him, that'd be a good first uh, little side feud there. Little for... program, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I'd be down with it. Um, anything else you got from this match? Uh, we had Sting and we had an Darby actual coffin drop because he dropped he coffin dropped onto the coffin, so there was that. Um, so that's a true coffin drop. Um, yeah. Dude, oh my god, this the table not breaking and Sting literally just fucking threw his body out of the second. Like, fuck it, if I die, I die. Sting <laughs> is a fucking animal. Yeah. Uh. I really, I really, really like fucking Sting, man. Uh, the definition I'm, of I, protecting your legend. <laughs> he doesn't. Is it protecting your legend? Because motherfuckers try, try to die every match. Sting has not embarrassed himself once in this company, and it's they, they just they protect the legacies of their legends. And I, it's something that I just think AEW doesn't get enough credit for. Sting. I, I wouldn't say Sting hasn't done anything that I would think you would consider embarrassing. I think it's he don't think he's affected his career by doing that at all. I don't think I think well, if he was if trying anything, to wrestle he's only every, elevated like, to a new era. If you, of fans. if you go if you go to like all the impact because I if you want a really recent example, like there was a bunch of old people that were wrestling in impact, obviously, right? Like on the tail end of their careers. But they were wrestling all the time though, and that's why they got exposed for being bad. Because the thing is, if you do what Sting's doing or what Billy Gunn does, because Billy Gunn doesn't wrestle all the time, you know? Yep. Uh, even when the Acclaim were tag champs, he wasn't wrestling in the trios. They would sometimes wrestle with somebody else who they'd wrestle as that eight man or so. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, because Billy Gunn knows that if he goes out there and wrestles all the time, it's going to take the bumps. You only got so many bumps on your card. That's what they always say. So if you do what Sting's doing and at the end of your career, you take less and less as you go on and you only really throw yourself into the big spots when it's really appropriate, you know, yeah. there's a reason for that, you know, like, and to be fair to the people that like want wrestling to go back to that old school style of you only really do crazy shit at the big shows. For one, for the most part, AEW really only does. They do some things that yeah, you would have no. considered to be crazy shit. That has now kind of just been so overdone in wrestling that it's, like, it's not even crazy shit anymore. So what, like, what are you even really getting upset about? But like, um, the the main thing, like, I'm sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. What was I just talking about? Uh, 
Sting. Oh, yeah, Sting. So if you do what Sting's doing, sorry, I, I don't know why I completely lost what I was thinking there, but yeah, so I, I, I lost Sting then. Somehow I lost Sting in there, even though Sting is like the, I would say the story of this match, let's be real, you know, like, yeah, you know, um, the, if you do what like Sting's doing, like you actually have the opportunity to just show off what you still can do and you're not going to, like you said, embarrass yourself in a way that's actually going to damage your reputation or your career, like, because more. you're not literally going out there and exposing yourself every week, you know, so yeah. Getting protected. Even Christian Cage. Why do we have such a positive opinion of Christian Cage right now that this match sticks out? Because yeah, he's, he's been doing example. it that way. He's been doing the same thing. Yeah. So That's why I brought I, up Billy Gunn as well. That's why I lost it because I started talking about Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. I was like, how the hell did I get on the Acclaimed? Like, I was like, where did this come from? But anyway, go ahead. So our next match, we had Will Ospreay with Don Callis defeat Chris Jericho with Sammy Guevara. I thought this was just another really, really fun match. Osprey, Osprey was the hometown hero here. The crowd was like super behind him. I was a little scared at the start of this match though, because Jericho was getting a lot of offense, and it was right in that slot in the show where I was like, "Are they gonna fucking make this like fifteen minutes and like, or not even fifteen and like give Jericho all the offense?" Because I've done that before, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, God, Jericho turned back the clock a couple times. There, there was uh, a moment when. Osprey went for like a, it looked like a Frankensteiner almost, and fucking Jericho like flipped it, and it was perfect. At one point, they clanked their fucking heads when Jericho went for an os cutter. Um, yeah, one on one, they went out there, and you know, I Osprey's defeated Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, and Chris Jericho this year now, all on big shows. The man's a walking fucking dub. He's uh he's crushing it to say the least. But uh, Osprey's music was was awesome. Proof, proof, and Jericho singing his entrance—that's that sports entertainment, brother. <laughs> brother, uh, anything else you got from this title? Because this was fun. But from the title, even from the match, from the but, match, yeah, yeah. But okay, I have a question for you. Why the fuck wasn't the championship on the line here? I don't know. Come on, New Japan, probably could have. No, they absolutely could have. I honestly think they should have. They had fucking a Ring of Honor title on this show. Why can't we have a New Japan title on this show? I mean, we had the title on the show. Like, why couldn't we? We had Eddie, who had his title, so they were fine with talent that's working with them. And obviously, Will's there. <laughs> Come on, New Japan. It's literally in the UK too. I just, I don't. It makes so much fucking sense. I don't know. That's why I'm like, what the fuck? But um, New Japan for wrestling. Because they, they want to probably do it for the title at fucking Wrestle Kingdom or something. I don't know. But, like, <clears throat> right, I guess, sorry, hey, you'll be wrestling Kenny at Wrestle Kingdom Dominion. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, everything Will does is, like, fucking incredible. I, I, I can't find any criticism for Will Ospreay matches. It's, like, impossible. Like, he is really know- a different breed. <laughs> like, it's, and no match is the same. No. Like, it's like, you, like, it's like um, I can't even think of anybody else you can compare them to. Like, I guess probably the one that would be it would be like Misawa. If you probably want to watch all of the twenty-five that Misawa so had or whatever, it'd probably be pretty similar. Like, all twenty-five would probably be very different. You'd be like, "Wow, this is really crazy," you know? Like, but. yeah, that's what we need to see. Osprey Danielson. We just uh, we they've mentioned like, multiple times Osprey's a free agent in eight months. So, I God, if they fucking pull that off, twenty twenty-four is going to be fucking nice. Yeah. Um, 
After that, we had Nigel go to the uh, ring to announce the attendance. By the way, I totally forgot to mention Sheeta's title reign. She, she, this was her second title reign for 25 days, and she had one successful defense against Anna Jay on Dynamite. That honestly, we both we liked the match. It was pretty good. Um, Sheeta was 25 day champion, so it was a quick title reign, but it was her second title reign. We're worth we're, we're padding some stats here. All right. Uh, Osprey and Jericho was uh, just a tick under five, 15 minutes. The acclaimed and Billy Gunn defeated the House of Black to win the AEW Trios titles. This might have been the only match that I felt like they crammed a little bit because they were just trying to like fucking fit everything in. But that being said, the opening here for uh, House of Black paying tribute to... Uh, Bray Wyatt by having the lantern during their entrance as the fireflies and the crowd light up. Truly an awesome, awesome moment. Commentary paid the respects. And I just, uh, yeah, the wrestling world, it's been, a, it's been a tough week with that happening. And Bray Wyatt, you know, unexpectedly passing away. I think the away. wrestling world was looking to AEW in some ways. It was all in to, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some crazy fucking, like, WWE-type numbers from the pay-per-view, like, on, like, views, even though it was in the middle of the day. I think that's the only thing that's going to hurt the show is that it was when it was for America, but um, I bet I bet they still did the dumb number anyway because people people you know what all right I take that back because people are kind of informed about shit now because you have to know what days and what times shit's coming out on streaming now so maybe people are more apt to know that shit now maybe maybe I'm wrong yeah but, yeah um so no holds barred was the stip here and I just want to talk about this, this no holds barred stipulation just for a second because I've always like it's always been weird to me because like it's a mode in like at two K twenty right it's you can play a no yeah. hard match i honestly have never understood the difference between like a street fight an extreme rules match no holds barred match like a death match like what it like obviously like in a death match there's like no rules like a, a lights out match there's genuinely nothing nothing can be it's basically the same thing as an unsanctioned match it is an unsanctioned match but it's like the same thing as like the concept in WWE of the unsanctioned match right so um I, but uh, no holds barred. So what I assume is one of two things from back in the day that what it originally was. So I'm assuming that there were certain holds back in the day in old school wrestling that were actually banned. Like, I don't know what they would be, but certain promotions maybe would ban the figure four or something, right? It's, it's yeah. dangerous or something because they used to do that with certain kinds of moves. They would ban pile drivers and stuff like that. So it could be that, or it could also be that there were certain stipulations that were put on people's matches. Like, so the champion's like, you can't use this to beat me. But then, like, if you, or maybe the champion used an illegal hold in a match, but now so that we get a clean result no matter what, we're going no hold. But, you know, like, kind of thing, like, they always have those, like, solution matches in wrestling. I don't know where the fuck it came from, but I've never understood what the stipulation actually means. <laughs> That's fair. Um, right away, we saw. Uh, Julia Hart, you know, kind of stepping in, kind of throwing throwing her stuff around. It did and, not end uh, well for her either. And Gunn told her to uh, suck it. The acclaimed hit the oh, scissor me timbers. He said, "Suck that dick." Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, Taz made a yam bag reference. Um, and he said he he realized that didn't apply in the situation, and then fucking Nigel kept giving him shit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel was Nigel was trying to get that man Taz. Nah, canceled. Julia Hart's got bigger balls than the rest of the House of Black. Let's True. Uh, they they once again showed Mercedes during this match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the House of Black, the acclaimed. They these guys know how to go out there and have a fun time. That's what I will say. 
And you know, the result ends up being Billy badass Billy Gunn clicked out of kicked out of the black mass. That was a very big moment here. And after two mic drops, the acclaimed won the AEW World Trios titles. Uh, House of Black didn't initially want to give up their belts, but they end up showing respect and they gave them over. And uh, they had the world's biggest scissor party right after it. So, yeah. I, I felt I a disturbance this, in the force as if 80,000 people were scissoring all at once and then suddenly silenced. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, I think the House of Black, they are not our first champions of the trios titles. But I think they had the best reign with it. They really, really controlled the titles. They, honestly, the way that they did these house rules really brought its own gimmick to it, too. And, you know, they just kind of became one of the go-to titles on Collision. And Collision has been an unbelievable success, in my opinion. I so wish they'd I've, given that house house rules thing a little bit more, like just more matches, just something because they did a few for like a while, like a, several weeks in a row, and then they just dropped it. And I was like, I kind of like that though. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, people pick the same thing, just like you know, band. I think I think that's what it was, yeah. like because it makes sense. That's what you would do, but like, just because it makes sense doesn't mean like you could have just. It was literally what Malachi created was an excuse for you to have whatever the fuck kind of match you wanted to have with them, basically. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So the House some of people Black, just don't see it that way, I guess. They are our fourth champions. They are the longest reigning champions. They had the longest reign by forty days, as they were champions for a hundred and seventy-five days. Take us back to Revolution, where they won the titles off of the Elite in a fucking awesome match. We then, a week later, defended them on Dynamite in Canada. Against the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Elite, which was really, really well done. Three weeks after that, the House of Black defeat the Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. Five weeks after that, the House of Black defeated Bandito and Best Friends. That one was fucking awesome. That uh, God, Bandito was on such a hot kick before the injury. Two weeks following that, at Dynamite 190 at uh, in and Vegas. Hopefully he's enjoying of- some pineapple on that vacation, you know? Yeah, right. The House of Black defeat A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik, which is cool because that was a team we saw form on Ring of Honor. So it was cool to see them kind of get their dynamite shine going for a trios title. Double or nothing. They defeated Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed, which I thought this match was better than that, and it was shorter. So at Collision Episode 6, the House of Black defeated Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed, which that they made sure to note that was the only Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed trios losses were to the House of Black. Collision number eight, the House of Black defeated Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and Lee Johnson. And then collision number nine, the big main event, the House of Black defeated CMFTR in a fucking 27-minute just powerhouse of a match. And then their next match was at All in London, where they dropped the titles. Um, very, very good job kind of setting the table for these titles. Um, again, our champions have been... The House of Black, Death Triangle, The Elite, and now Billy Gunn and The Acclaimed. So we have had fantastic trios titles. It's I'm very glad that these titles are working as we'd hoped they would in AW. Because, dude, it it makes so I much sense. I think they work the and they don't the work roster. depending on who's champion. I think there were two back-to-back title reigns that were completely different. I think if we had gotten the 
elite title reign first like was originally intended it would have been a better start and i'm not saying that the um the death triangle having it wasn't a good thing you know what i mean but yeah um like i it just felt like there was a lot of filler so the elite came back with their title yeah reign. i agreed like I, which and, then, is... and then we had the best of seven which was awesome so <sighs> just incredible yeah but yeah, now the House of Black, I think, have set the table for how great a title reign can be, how different it can be. And Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed are going to really, they're going to have a kick-ass title reign. I have a good feeling about it. Oh, yeah, this will be like when the Acclaimed were tag champions and they were on TV all the time and they were yep. always one of the highest rated segments, or at least for a while they were. God, know. the Acclaimed are such a success story for AEW. Yeah, really, honestly. It's time. Main event. Adam Cole, MJF, AEW World Championship. Uh, MJF's entrance was out of this world. It was seriously fucking fantastic for that was the definition of a champion's entrance. Um, being bro chachos, they put on their tag team shirts at the start of the bell. Um, they you know they're doing their leapfrogs, headlocks, their stalemates. There's a Fargo strut, a rude hip swivel it was the, from MJF. It was like the, the simile that I like to use it, it was like dividing by zero the way they did their chain wrestling sequence. Yeah. No, and, no real advantage. They just, you know, canceled each other out, basically. It ends up leading MJF eating a super kick. He, uh, he ends up dodging. Cole hits his pose. MJF uh, started a sportsmanship chant and then pokes Adam Cole in the eyes. He's a scumbag. He's our scumbag. Uh, Cole slapped MJF, and then the match starts to pick up its pace. Uh, Cole hit the fireman's carry neckbreaker on the knee. They take turns, pulling the other's hair into a slam. MJF, you know, he's... He's going for his dive. Uh, he fakes it. He turns his back, and then he eats a super kick for two. Cole said they might be friends, but I'm better than you, Max. I'm better than you, and you know it. As he ripped MJF's shirt off, which ends up hulking up MJF, Cole rakes his eyes. MJF blocked a super kick and starts running wild with corner punches and bunches. Um, and then he's whipping Cole fucking violently into shit. Then uh, we get MJF, who's tempted again to hit his dive you know <laughs> the man needs to hit his dive <laughs> and he did it he was he was stunned just like everyone else the crowd goes wild for the tope um double stomp to the arm off the second uh led to like this really cool series of near falls mjf bridged out of a jackknife cover caught cole with a leapfrog into a power bomb on his knee i thought that was one of the moments at that point i i messaged you i'm like dude these guys are flowing like when he hit that uh, power bomb onto the knee, I'm like, "Damn!" Bro, every time MJF does that shit, he he sell he he sells the doing it himself in a way where it looks like he fucking breaks his knee every time. And I'm more like, "Did he just like blow his knee out doing that?" Like Jesus, but no, nope, he's fine. He gets up immediately, and it's like, "Oh shit, guy's got like knees of steel." Yeah, Cole then hits MJF's uh, move. He hits the Heat Seeker, which then Cole falls that out with a violent sheer drop brainbuster onto the steps. Taz said it was right in front of MJF's parents. MJF uh, didn't move until nine. And if you guys know anything about MJF's parents, they probably fucking cheered. <laughs> His dad's the bagel guy. Uh, and Cole, you know, that was fucking brutal. That was a brutal move. <laughs> uh, once MJF's finally back is it, in the Is ring. it better, though? Or is it a more brutal move than the uh, Roderick Strong chop to the dick? Right in the penis. Cole wants to hit the Panama Sunrise. MJF rolls outside so he can sweep the legs of Cole on the apron. 
Then we get the announce table spot with, you know, MJF. He couldn't, he couldn't fucking pull the trigger. He couldn't pull the trigger, but Adam Cole did. I don't get it. Are AW announce tables supposed to break? I don't get it. Are they supposed to or not? I don't know. Uh, there was a reference from, I want to say Excalibur, where he said these things are steel enforced. Now, is that him working on the fly, trying to make up a reason why the table didn't break? Or are these things actually like fucking solid tables and they want the stiff If so, moment? then yeah, we could get some stiff, small, stiff bumps off that and it would explain why people don't do it as much in AEW. Not just because they don't want to overuse it, because that doesn't really, really matter. Like I said earlier, you know, like it only yeah. really matters. The, the CM Punk and Samoa Joe one almost felt more effective because of how it happened. I think the underneath thing is, I think because it's so different, it's almost more shocking most of the time, especially because it can break, the way they have it set up, it can break out and like shatter in shards that are different than like, it's not like a panel that pops out. It's just like, I don't know, like a panel that is super weak that you can bust through, you know, like a bust through of a wall in the movie. But like, it's just right there. It's, it's again, they're using all the movie magic shit smartly in AEW in a way that I think WWE tries to, but doesn't always achieve because they always think too small because they're trying to go for the smallest budget to not be like, you know, spending like 50 grand to do a thing. Tony Khan's just like, I got money to burn. Let's fucking do it, you know? Yeah. And fuck it. Let's do this thing. So once the Adam Cole hits the tombstone, they get back in the ring, and he hits a destroyer back inside. The momentum allowed MJF to hit a kick right before he collapsed, though. They rise to their feet. They yell for the double clotheslines. They fucking, the worlds collide. They hit the same time. Their arms are draped over each other. One, two, three, and the, we have a match draw. MJF declines. Adam Cole's like, bro, five more minutes, and that's when MJF declines. And he said, they're going to have a fucking winner in Wembley. I think they said, I think he said, we're going to have a winner in fucking Wembley. <laughs> that popped me big. Um, but yeah, uh, they're going, they're doing their roll-ups. They do an Eddie Guerrero spot where they're both trying to outsmart each other. And, and MGF ends up wrapping the chair around his head. <laughs> it's honestly one of the smart, I was like, how do you, I was like, always, cause I always wonder my, I was like, how could you beat Eddie at this? Besides just like, you know, like not, you know what I mean? Like there's like only one way you could beat him and MJF figured it out somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, like, wait a minute, bro. Come on. This shows how smart MJF is. He thought, you know, he just thought of that one day and he was like, I'm going to use this one day. I don't know when, but I'm going to use it. It's, it, it. This was the time, you know? Cole could not believe his eyes. Uh, the ref recovers. Can I chair, say, but- a lot of people probably were like, oh, draw a fake out. It was fucking so good here. Like, it made so oh, much Oh, it was sense. unbelievable, and it made sense. It, it tailed us back to their, their match on that dynamite. When they went to 30, he wanted five more minutes, and he wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, it, it was a it, perfectly, it's like, it's like the CM Punk thing at the very end of the story. It's a perfectly encapsulated, every MJF feud is like, you could literally, and I think they have, cut it into a documentary, and it would probably make a pretty good fucking movie, you know, like. Yeah. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll be pretty nice. Um, I lost track of where the fuck I was. Uh, uh, pretty much, yeah, after all that happens, MJF got the schoolboy for two, uh, a thrust kick and a heat seeker for a near fall. Uh, Cole hit a Florida key on the edge of the ring, a Panama sunrise onto the floor, but MJF kicked out back inside. Cole wanted a proper one in the ring, but MJF pulled Bryce in and Cole laid out the ref with the Panama sunrise. MJF couldn't do it with his fucking trunks uh, or with his, uh, diamond, uh, dynamite diamond ring. He reached in his trunks to grab it. Um, but like the tombstone, he just couldn't do it. 
Roderick Strong appeared from behind, punted MJF in the balls right in the penis. Adam Cole turned, didn't realize what happened. Strong told Cole to finish it. Cole hit a Panama Sunrise, lowered for the boom, but no referee. You got a visible three. Dick attack specialist Roderick Strong. Dick attack. Uh, Bryce recovered. MJF kicked out at two. Strong threw the AW title at Adam Cole, told him to use it. Cole took his shirt off. He's fucking building up, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. Strong's fucking raging. Roderick Strong then raged. He just fucking walked away. MJF yeah, he rage quit Cole. the fucking management, the fucking, like, to the, what do you call it? The inter- rage quit interference, bro. <laughs> uh, as this happened, MJF surprised Cole with an inside cradle, got the flash pin, and Cole was in shock. And after the match, you know, it was emotional, but they didn't break up. They are still boys. This story's continuing. I think for the sake of Dynamite, it's good that it continues, because you can still run MJF and, and CM Punk and have Adam Cole in his corner, and this, that, and the other. And you can run whatever storyline they're going to run on Ring of Honor, probably for these titles against the Kingdom, and that'll be a fun story. So, yeah, Roderick Strong, man. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So do we think it'll be like Roddy and um, Cole Carter then, possibly, as the tag? Or do we think it'll be... uh, I think it'll just be the Kingdom with Roddy in their corner. Could be. And hopefully we get Roddy going after Samoa Joe or something. I, I, I I I really want that match. I do look, I'm I'm there with you, especially because it feels like like Ring of Honor has a lot of heel champions a lot of the time. You know, like they would, you know, it just recently got back to not always being that way. But I mean, you know, like Sustina is slowly turning. I think maybe I don't know, but um, there's so much stuff from freaking AEW we didn't get to talk about this week. There was good Athena stuff this week. Like, I'm really excited with what she's doing with Billy Starks right now. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be fucking great for her career, you know? Especially to be, like, being basically mentored Bill- by Athena Christ. You know, like... Having Billy and Nick Wayne in the spots that they're already doing, it, the, these these guys are seriously in such good hands. Um, Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I really liked uh, Moxley and Ray Phoenix this week as well. I thought that was a really fun match. Honestly, since we're like only an hour into this show, let's not go through everything. But if there's anything you just wanted to briefly mention from fucking the note, um, did you take? I took notes this week. I mean, you know, even though I knew we we're going to talk about it. Let's see if there's anything that really stuck out. Yeah, I mean, all I had, all I really, all I had was oh, uh, honestly, dude, for contract signing that Osprey Jericho one was, uh, dude, that was awesome. Jericho and Osprey, yeah, fucking there were some it. good promos cut there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, um, I'm scrolling through right now, seeing if we got any all-out updates from the scrum. Uh, it looks like we do have a couple. So, it'll be John Moxley facing the winner of Dynamite this week, uh, either Orange Cassidy or Penta for the International Championship. So, that'll be cool. So, and then another singles match, Kanosuke Takeshita versus Kenny Omega. So we have five matches announced. It Hobbs versus Miro, Darby versus Luchasaurus, Statlander versus Soho. Let's just assume Moxley versus Orange Cassidy and Omega versus Takeshita. All out, starting to cook already. Starting to cook already. So throw me an Eddie versus Claudio on there for the uh, New Japan title now. I am so down with that. Make that Eddie's first defense, have his first win over Claudio be in a defense against, uh, for his title, and then have that be the way you earn him back into that if you want him to beat him for that title eventually. But you don't need to. You can just have him defend that one. You know what I mean? Fuck it. Send it in, Tony Khan. But yeah, all in next year at Wembley Stadium, August 25th, 2024. We're doing it again, man. And what an 
unbelievable success this has been. Now I got to break the record they set this year next year. That's what they got to do. Yep. Got to Fill it out, baby. Got to get a couple more people in there. And uh, have Tony yeah. Khan sit in the crowd for five minutes now. <laughs> it counts. He's going to buy. He's gonna buy his own goddamn ticket. Um, <laughs> he doesn't but, need a uh, ticket to get news out of it. <laughs> but yeah, um, thanks everyone for checking this out. If you enjoyed this, make sure you check out our weekly show. Where uh, can you imagine we, TK's on Dynamite one week? I can't even get a ticket to all. And Tony, you're ho- you're 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 the one putting it on. What? Do, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What, what do you, you freaking mean? mean? And I want TK yeah. yelling at people in backstage segments. Where that was funny as fuck. That was funny. Maybe he'll yell at Jack Perry this week. Yes. <laughs> why would you do that you know he's gonna beat the shit out of you uh punker's choking out jack perry before he fucking goes out there and has an awesome match thanks everyone for checking us out we'll catch you guys next week when we're covering some all out brawl out small out haul out you know the vibe wardlow you couldn't take you couldn't make it on the show but you can take us home catch you guys on the flip side